The epistle for this Passion Sunday is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Brethren, when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered once for all through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not of this creation, nor again by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, but by virtue of his own blood into the holies, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and sprinkled ashes of a heifer sanctify the unclean unto the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the Holy Spirit offered himself unblemished unto God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And this is why he is mediator of a new covenant, that whereas a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the former covenant, they who have been called may receive eternal inheritance according to the promise in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the eighth chapter of the gospel of St. John. At that time, Jesus said to the crowds of the Jews, Which of you will convict me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear is that you are not of God. The Jews therefore in answer said to him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a devil? Jesus answered, I do not have a devil, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and who judges. Amen, amen, I say to you, if anyone keep my word, he will never see death. The Jews therefore said, now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keep my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say that he is your God. And you do not know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be like you, a liar. But I know him, and I keep his word. Abraham, your father, rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said to him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham came to be, I am. They therefore took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, we are presented with such an incredible scene in today's gospel, a scene that we could call the hatred of God. The church, Holy Mother Church, as we enter into these two last weeks of, of Lent, the two Passion Weeks, she wants to present to us the cause of our Lord's death that now is just 12 days away. It is hatred of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees hate him, and they hate him without cause. He is completely and utterly innocent. We may know that one person hates another person if they manifest a telltale sign of hatred. And that is that the other person 
can do nothing right, that no matter what they do, if they do something good, if they do something evil, it's all wrong. It's tragic sometimes when, when of course, this, this, can, this sort of attitude can develop between two persons. Um, when there is this hate that builds up, it's especially tragic when it, when it can happen in a, in a married couple. When the husband or the wife develops such an antipathy for the other that no matter what the, the spouse does, it's always interpreted in the wrong way. Um, perhaps the, it starts off with, with a certain annoyance. One, one spouse annoys the other. And then the annoyance builds up to impatience. And over time, the impatience grows, the anger grows to such a degree that no matter what the other person does, even if, if, if the other spouse is, is saying, wow, I, I see there's some hostility growing here, I need to do something to try to resolve this situation. And even that effort to resolve, the, the attempts to uh, sort of smooth things over, even those are interpreted as being somehow wrong, as being uh, with a bad intention, as being wicked. The final stage of, of hatred is reached when someone wills evil upon the other. This is truly hate. I want harm to come to the other. I want to exercise physical violence against the other or some sort of moral violence, violence with my words against the other, harm them in whatever way possible because I hate them. Well, my dear faithful, this is the stage which the Pharisees have reached in today's gospel. You know that they want to kill our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he says to them. If you read the whole passage, you read all of John chapter 9. It's a long conversation that he has with them. And earlier on in, in the conversation, he, he says to them, um, you're seeking to kill me, one who has spoken the truth to you. All I've done to you is, is the good, and yet you want to do physical violence to me. You want to kill me. Even the people are saying, is this the one? that they want to kill? Why? Why? Because all that he has done is good. He is goodness itself. He is God. There, there's absolutely nothing evil in our Lord whatsoever. Look at what he has done. He has healed people. He has healed their sicknesses. He has cast out devils. He has raised people from the dead. He has preached the truth. He has not hesitated to point out their faults as well because he, he wants to resolve their problems. He wants to put the finger on the evil that's in their soul and, and somehow heal their souls. But somehow they reinterpret everything that he does. If he casts out a devil, they say, oh, you're casting out the devil by the devil. If he heals a person, they say, you're healing, you're working this miracle is against God because it's done on the Sabbath. Nothing that our Lord does can possibly be interpreted by them as being a good thing. It's a complete inversion of good and evil. Everything that our Lord does is good. Everything that they see him doing is seen as being evil. At the end of today's gospel, what do they do? They take up stones to throw at him, to kill him. 
Two chapters later, chapter 10 of, of St. John, once more, they take up s- stones to, to throw at him and kill him. Chapter 11, they call together a council in order to plot, and they say, this man must die. We must find a way to murder him. D- these are the deliberations of future murders, murderers. On Good Friday, we have the Office of Matins, and um, it, dur- during the thri- three last days of Lent, it's, it's called Tenebrae, where you sing Matins and Lauds together. And we do this here at St. Isidore's. It starts at 7.30 on, uh, in the morning on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And on Friday, there's this reflection of St. Augustine on the Psalms, and he's talking about this situation of these men, the fact that they have this murderous intent against our Lord when he has done only good towards them. Here is, is what he says. He's, he starts by quoting our Lord. Many good works, says our Lord, have I shown you. For which of those works do you go about to kill me? He had borne with all their weaknesses. He had healed all their diseases. He had preached unto them the kingdom of heaven. He had discovered to them their iniquities that they might rather hate them than the physician that came to cure them. And now at last, without gratitude for all the tenderness of his healing love, like men raging in a high delirium, throwing themselves madly on the physician who had come to cure them, they took counsel together how they might kill him. Our Lord is their greatest benefactor. God is our greatest benefactor. No one can do more good for you than God has done for you and is doing for you and will continue to do for you. But these men hated him. This is the telltale sign of hatred, that even when the person hated does good, it is interpreted as being evil. In, in his Summa Theologica, St. Thomas Aquinas, he, he asked the question, is it even possible to hate God? And the reason why, why he asked this question is, is that, that God is precisely, he is goodness itself. And God made us in such a way, because God is good, he made us in such a way that, that we love the good. We are attracted to the good. And, and if you're in front of something that is completely good, then you cannot resist you, you are so attracted by that good that you cannot possibly deflect yourself from that good. This is the nature of heaven, that, that when, you, when you're in heaven, when you see God, there's no possibility for you not to love him. God is so supremely attractive to our human will, which is made for the good, that we go to him instinctively, without reflection. We love him instinctively, without reflection. So St. Thomas asks, is it, is it even possible to hate God? And he says, well, no, you cannot hate God in himself, but you can hate the effects of God. You can hate God indirectly. You can hate what God does. There are people who hate what God does because they themselves are evil. God becomes an obstacle to their evil. Here's what St. Thomas says. He says, 
some of God's effects are contrary to an inordinate will, such as the infliction of punishment and the prohibition of sin by the divine law. Such like effects are repugnant to a will debased by sin, and as regards the consideration of them, God may be an object of hatred to some, insofar as they look upon him as forbidding sin and inflicting punishment. So you can have a situation where someone is in love with sin. They have certain sins that they like to commit. And they, they see God is telling them, no, this is wrong. You must not do this. I did not create you for this. I created you for the good. And when they see this condemnation on the part of God, they have, they have one or two options. They can say, I have to change my life. I have to rectify what I do. Or they can say, I refuse. I refuse to, to change my life by the commandment of God. Instead, I will be resentful towards God for telling me not to do what I want to do. My dear faithful, this is, this is why there is, there is so much hatred in our world today. Like, like the internet. The internet kind of seethes with hatred. Um, be, because people are so sensitive today to being told that what they're doing is wrong, is, is evil. They do not want to be told that what they're doing is evil. And, and when, when they are told that, um, it, it, it even extends to the whole human race. The whole human race has to approve me in what I'm doing. If any person out there says that what you're doing is wrong, it's evil, it's against your nature, it's against God, it's against decency, they react with a the rage. They rage against anyone who, who tries to point that out. They only want approval. This is, this is how people can can look at God and say, oh, God is, is someone who sets rules for me, who sets rules for my human nature, and I don't want those rules. I want to do what I want to do. There's another thing that people do, and that, and that, that is to recreate God, you know, where, where they, they just say, well, my God says that what I'm doing is okay, or I'm going to reinterpret Scripture that such that abortion is okay, homosexual, homosexuality is okay, basically whatever I want to do is okay. I'm going to change God from what he is into someone who's going to approve everything that I do. So as St. Thomas mentions, there's another way, reason, motive, for which people can hate God, and this is because of the fact that God punishes, that God is just, that if we do things wrong, if we commit sin, then there is a punishment that comes upon us. That we suffer because of the sins that we commit. Um, we, we suffer the effects of our sins. We have sickness. We have trials. We have failures. Um, and that there's not a few people who are resentful to God because of the fact that there are many trials in this life. There are difficulties. There's a lot of difficulties in this life. And they say, well, you know, if God... If I love God and God is my friend and God has all power, then he should make my life to be without suffering. And because he's not doing that for me, I'm going to be resentful. And because there's consequences for my bad actions, I'm going to be resentful to God. When in fact, of course, 
It's so good for us. It's so good for us that, that we get what we deserve. It's so good for us that, that, that not everything is given to us exactly as we want. Um, people who suffer and bear with suffering in the right way are, are so much better, are so much more perfect, are so much more completed as human beings than those people who get absolutely everything the way that they want, who give life served to them on a silver platter. We need to suffer. Suffering is, is very important for us. This is why our Lord chose a life of suffering, a redemption of suffering, to show us the way towards our own salvation. It is through suffering that, that we are going to achieve eternal life. The best people in the world are those who have suffered well. In other words, God is good even when he allows us to suffer because of the fact that he, he does not allow us to suffer without giving us support, without sustaining us, um, if we want to make use of that. Besides this hatred of God that people can develop because he punishes, because he charts for us um, a certain path to happiness, certain he sets rules for our human nature, it's also possible for us to hate our neighbor. See, Thomas points out that, that hatred is not one of the seven capital sins. He says the seven capital sins are the sins that are the beginning of other sins. They are, they are like the source, the, the, the seed that produces other sins. But hatred is not a beginning sin. It's an ending sin. In other words, you have to commit a number of sins before you end up in hatred. It's, uh, there are certain preliminaries to hatred. Hatred of his neighbor, says St. Thomas, is a man's last step in the path of sin because it is opposed to the love which he naturally has for his neighbor. Every single one of us, I mean, I, th I think we're naturally inclined to love our neighbor. We, all of us naturally want to get along with our neighbor. And if, if, we, if we reach a point of, of hatred, it's because we have worked against that for a long period of time. What is the reason why we end up hating our neighbor? Um, people, some people might think, well, it's because we're fostering our anger. That's, that's probably, it's probably the capital vice of anger that leads to hatred. But St. Thomas says it's actually one of the other seven capital sins that more naturally leads to hatred, and that is the sin of envy. We, we are jealous of, of the good of another, the, env the, env the same envy that Father McBride spoke about a, a few weeks ago. This is what leads us to actually have hostility towards another, even when they do good. Because the good that they do and the, the, the benefits they receive from the good make us upset. We, do, we are sorrowful because they are good and they receive the good effects at, um, from their goodness. This is why the scribes and the Pharisees hated our Lord. They hated him because he was so excellent, because he was meek and humble of heart, because he worked these great signs because he was favored of God when they were not, because he showed compassion 
on them. They hated him because they, he made them look bad. So my dear Fifo, as, as we enter into these two weeks where our Lord hides himself, these are the last words for today's gospel, and, and we cover the statues, um, we cover the holy figures, uh, we go in hiding, as it were, with our Lord during these two weeks. Um, his enemies are after him. It's not his hour yet. They're plotting to kill him. But as long as it's not his hour, he can escape from anything they want to do against him. Um, it's important that we ourselves put away all sentiments of hatred that we, we, have, we might have in our heart, all, all sentiments of resentment or bitterness, to check ourselves um, in our attitude towards others. Are we interpreting all of their actions as being bad, even when it seems like they're, they're trying to do good. Um, we, we especially must banish any and all temptations that we might have of resentment towards God. And we, we ourselves can be subject to, to these temptations. Um, when we, you know, as soon as we start to think, it's, it's very much a modern thing to start to think, oh, you know, why is God doing this? Why is God not doing that? Who am I? Who am I to question God? We must hold as, as an absolute first principle that, that God is good. God can only do good. Everything that God does is good. Everything that happens to me is within the providence of God. God wants to use it for the good. That, that is an absolute first principle. We must resist any sentiments of resentment towards, towards God. If, if you are angry at God, you are angry at the good. Let us also love our neighbor and imitate our Lord, this incredible example that he gives us where uh, in his passion he shows mercy to those who hate him. He seeks to save them even when they're doing evil to him. He says to us, if anyone keeps my word, he will not see death. Whereas he speaks about the devil saying, the devil is a father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. Let us remember always that the whole of the law is this, to love our God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.